the time that Israel was divided, God told a prophet named Elijah that there would be a drought in the land. He directed Elijah to leave the area and live by himself for three years near a ravine where he would have all the water he needed. One day, God told Elijah to go and confront King Ahab and his wife Jezebel about leading the Israelites to worship a false god named Baal. Elijah asked Ahab and all the people of Israel to meet him on the top of a mountain. Ahab brought 450 prophets of Baal with him. Elijah decided to conduct a challenge to prove that he followed the true God. Two bulls were brought to be sacrificed. The prophets of Baal laid down pieces of wood and put the bull on it, but did not set fire to it. Call on the name of your God, Elijah challenged, and I will call on mine. Whichever answers by fire, he is God. From early morning until noon, the prophets asked their god Baal to send fire, but nothing happened. Elijah taunted them, shout louder, perhaps your god is in deep thought or sleeping. So they shouted louder and cut themselves with their swords and spears, but still nothing happened. He quickly built an altar using 12 stones, one to represent each tribe of Israel. Finally, he asked those around him to pour water all over the bull and the wood. There was so much water flowing that it filled the trench around the altar. Then, Elijah called out, Let it be known today that you are God in Israel. And fire fell from the sky and burned up the bull, the wood, and even the stones and soil. When the people saw this, they fell to their faces and yelled, The Lord, he is God. The prophets of Baal were then arrested and killed in the valley below the mountain. When King Ahab returned home and told his wife Jezebel what happened, she was furious and sent word to Elijah that she was going to have him killed. So Elijah fled to the wilderness. There he met an angel sent by God to take care of him, who gave him food and water. It's fun to watch an animated Bible like that. From, from the time we're born, we're created to, to want to be comforted, all right? So babies, they're not comfortable. If they're hungry, if they're dirty, they're just grumpy. They cry. And hopefully, as you get older, you learn to develop better comforting tools, right? And not just cry when you're not comfortable. Maybe for some of you, when you're having a rough day, you, you, you have your favorite article of clothing. Maybe it's your favorite sweatshirt or a t-shirt and you come home and you kind of just come home and change and you kind of sulk, right? No one ever does that, right? Or for some of you, you are a little bit healthier than, than most, and so you find a gym or somewhere and you just go work out, right, to blow off some steam. For others of you, I don't know, maybe, huh. Always a good, oh, look, listen, this is my junior high Bible study group right in here, and they know that, hmm. 
Sometimes the best comfort food is flaming hot lime and Cheetos. Is that right, guys? Yeah. <laughs> Should we bless it first, Tom? <laughs> Others of you, this is far too small. But maybe your tub is a little bit bigger than this one. You come home, you go for the freezer. Mm. That is good ice cream. Or you reach for your comfort beverage. And then you sit down on the couch, you put it, read, get your favorite book, or maybe you put on your favorite movie or your TV <laughs> show. Or maybe you're the type of person that just needs to talk it out. So you call that special person that you always call. And you just let it go. But sometimes, sometimes in life, a gallon of ice cream, a three-hour conversation, a good cry after your favorite movie. It just isn't enough. <coughs> you know what I'm talking about because many of us have been there. And we realize that those things so often are just a mere band-aid to a gut blow that we've taken. We recognize that sometimes life is tough. And we also recognize that even for those people like you and me, those of us that love God, life can be tough. As you saw this morning, Elijah was a man that was God's representative in his time for his people. And he went and he, with God's power, was able to, to be part of amazing things. He was part of several miracles, whether it was predicting three years of drought in front of a king or going back and saying, hey, it's been tough the last three years, right? Drought's over. God says it's done. But I challenge you to a duel. So you go and you get all of your prophets and you bring them. And we're going to have a little contest. And he makes a mockery of the prophets of Baal. You can read the full account of the story starting in 1 Kings chapter 17. But this morning, I invite you to turn with me to 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 1. And we're going to pick up pretty much where the video left off. 1 Kings 19, verse 1. Ahab, who was a king, he, he goes home and he's talking to Jezebel, his wife, the queen. 
Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, may the gods, may the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow, I do not make your life, Elijah, like the ones, like that of one of them, one of my prophets that you killed. So Elijah was afraid and he ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there. And he himself went further, another day's journey into the wilderness. And he came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and he prayed. And he didn't pray any prayer. He prayed that he might die. Maybe you understand Elijah's prayer, his raw, his heart-to-heart conversation with God. He was experiencing the painful reality that many of us face, and he was alone. It wasn't his happy place, but it was the birthplace of holy rawness between him and God. And so Elijah speaks honestly to God. Verse 4, I have had enough, Lord. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. And again, he laid down under the bush and he fell asleep. He's emotionally spent, so he collapses but he's not alone. He's not alone because God is with him. While the act of being open to being comforted or the act of being willing to be encouraged by someone else, that's a choice that we can make. Having the presence of God in our lives That's a gift that only God can give. And so Elijah's there. He's he's there. And when he is exhausted, God is there. Noah, the one that you saw up here singing, well, just standing up here actually, he's two and he's our youngest and he loves puzzles. So if you come to our house, we have stacks and stacks of puzzles. And some days he'll just sit there and he will do puzzle after puzzle after puzzle. And then he'll flip them over, break them apart, and he'll do them again. Well, I think it was last week I I went out and I found this puzzle and it was the alphabet puzzle. And there were big pieces and there were 27 pieces. One was the engine at the front and then 26 pieces following, one for each letter. Now, he knows his alphabet. He sings the songs. We have these magnetile things, and he puts them up on the machine, and he he knows his letters. And so I open the puzzle for him, and we sit down, 
and this kid is struggling. This should be easy. You know the alphabet, you just start singing the song, right? A, B, and then you just keep going. Now, he's struggling, he's like, help me, help me. And I just can't understand why he can't do this puzzle. This should be one of the easier ones that he can do. And he's just struggling and, and, you know, we sing the song, you know, A, B, and then we go back, A, B, C, and then we go back, A, B, C, you've done this before. And then I realized that there's one major difference between this puzzle and many of the other puzzles he has. It's that this one, for some reason, it doesn't show you a picture of the completed puzzle, Most puzzles he has, either on the back or on the side of the box or inside the box, there's an image of what the finished puzzle is supposed to look like, right? You've all done puzzles, you know what I'm talking about? This one didn't. So I'm thinking that for some reason, even though he knows all of his letters and he knows how to do puzzles, he's lacking that bigger perspective, the big picture of what it's supposed to look like. Elijah is struggling. He's in desperate need of of seeing a complete picture of what God is trying to do because even though he's seen all of these miracles and he's been blessed to be part of them, he doesn't understand why he's being chased for his life. We continue reading in 1 Kings All at once, an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looks around, Elijah looks around, and there by his head was some baked bread over hot coals and a jar of water. He eats and he drinks and he lays down again. In verse 7, the angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him. And he said, get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. We understand. We know where you're at. So he gets up in verse 8, and it says he gets up, and he ate, and he drank again. Strengthened by the food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and he spent the night. And then the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing, Elijah? And he replies, I have been very zealous for you, for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites, they've rejected your covenant. They've torn down your altars and they've put your prophets to death by sword. And I am the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. Verse 11, the Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and they shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. 
And after the wind, there was an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake either. And after the earthquake came a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. But after the fire came a gentle whisper. And I don't know what God was thinking, but maybe he said, you know what? I've tried the miraculous. I've tried the, the extravagant miracles. I've tried to, to, to give you, to tell you that I'm God. I'm the God that loves you by, by, by showing you that I can control the weather. Maybe that wasn't enough. Maybe the fire coming down out of heaven, maybe that wasn't enough either. So he tries something quiet. Sometimes God shows up in spectacular ways. Sometimes God shows up in quiet ways. But God shows up. And in verse 13, it says, Elijah heard it and he put a cloak over his face. He went out and he stood at the mouth of the cave and the voice of the Lord says to him again, what are you doing here, Elijah? And he responds, the same response. I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites, they've rejected your covenant. They've torn down your altars and they've put the prophets to death with the sword. And I'm only, the only one left and now they're trying to kill me too. Maybe when you're questioned, maybe when you're struggling, you have an answer that just flows off of your mouth because it's the same answer that you've practiced, that you've rehearsed, that you've told yourself is truth. And then this is what the Lord said. The Lord says to him, go back the way that you came. And he goes on and, he, and the account finishes with, with him giving him directions about who to anoint as king and who, who will be his, his, his follower as the next prophet. He gives him purpose and a plan. Doesn't matter if you're young like the kids in our ministries here where your, your greatest fear at night is the boogie monster under your bed. Or maybe you're a little bit more mature and you're beginning to wonder now if your retirement planning is going to last long enough. Fear impacts all of our lives. But we resonate with Elijah because we've all been in places in our lives, whether it's at our job or in our homes, in our circle of friends, where doing our best simply for some was not enough.
Elijah. He, he experienced so much. Yet he lost focus. The, the life that he lived that was intertwined with, with amazing miracles, with spectacular things. We find that when we are at our most vulnerable, God is there. This morning, I have some friends. They are actually your friends, too, that are on a journey. They've been on a journey now for the past several months, and a lot of it has been public, and you may have already heard some bits and pieces of their journey, but I've invited um, Bob and Alice to come and, and just have a conversation with us. And the conversation is, is more about, I've asked them to share with us about how they have experienced God's comfort through their journey the last several months. So, good morning. Good morning. I think you know these people. Yes, I do. So I know that many out here are familiar with who you are, um, but just for those that may not be familiar with, with maybe a little bit about the, your journey the last several months, could you kind of fill, us, fill everybody in and kind of give us an update of, of... Well, it was probably in about July that I had a few little mishaps, and one of them... I went into the drive Saturday night, uh, Friday night after setting quilts up, and I took down the curbing near the driveway, and uh, I s took one tire out. And I went into my husband who was on the porch, and I said, I just blew your tire. And uh, he didn't say a word. He was so kind. <laughs> But that's probably the beginning of when things were going wrong for us. And Bob realized that I wasn't quite hanging straight. And so we started investigating and finding what was we needed to do for getting some help for us. Yeah, initially you were diagnosed as having a stroke um, with right-sided weakness, and then it was a week later that uh, the MRI showed that it was not a stroke, but that she had a mass in the left uh, side of her brain, which then led to a biopsy and the diagnosis of a B-cell lymphoma. So a lot has uh, happened in changing our lives and a new journey we're taking in life here. 
But we're thankful for a lot of things, aren't we, Alice? You want to share with them? We sure are. And one of them, of course, is this beautiful church family. Wow, we couldn't have done it without you. We had food brought in. We had cards, and we've brought the cards that we have in the uh, baskets here. They're just too numerous to count them. And uh, beautiful sentiments, promises from the Lord. Um, it, it's just great. This group here, probably Isaac might have had something to do with that. The kindergarten class in Sabbath school. Should we ask if any kindergartners are here this morning? Sure. sure. Are there any kindergarten Sabbath school kids here this morning? Oh, I see several hands going up. Yeah. You know, they. Oh, they is there some in the back? They brought posters for us, at the, and they, he brought them into the hospital in Irvine, and they, we hung them on the wall, and people would come in to see us, and they would just ooed and odd on the children's artwork that we had to do, and it was beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. And it, it just gives so much cheer to have that and uh, share that with them as, as the children. And we often say that uh, members of this congregation have truly become the hands and the feet of Christ. Uh, you know, the hugs, uh, the, the cards, the prayers, the phone calls, the visitation, the just on and on and on, and it continues, <laughs> despite we're being how many months into this right now. Um, we, uh, we're seeing some results uh, in a positive way, in the, uh, the mass getting smaller, but uh, Friday we were told that the mass is getting bigger, uh, but... Uh, it's grown a little bit. But we haven't given up because God is a great God and we love him deeply. But they've given us more possibilities and we're going to follow it. And we're going to do it and with your prayers we will make it. I was given a book by Peter and Betty Cooper. Many of you know her. And this is a book... Uh, God wants to hear you. And it says that he, God wants to hear us sing. So every night before we go to bed, we lay together in the, in the bed and we sing a hymn for us uh, and then having the prayer together. And this is a marvelous book. I would recommend it to anybody to share what this does and what it means to people. And we used to sing duets together, but I'd hate for you to walk by our bedroom now and hear the two of us singing. It's totally <laughs> off key, but the good Lord accepts it, I think. <laughs> but, uh, you know, the food and the friends and the telephone calls and 
There's some beautiful people in this church that send a card at least every every week and pray pray for us over the phone. It's it has lifted us up and it also has ministered to the staff at Irvine. Then we ended up at Wall uh, Loma Linda for a couple of times and uh they were equally surprised and loved by it too. So your love has shown out to everybody and we just wanna have an opportunity to thank you for what this means to us and know that it would also mean for others. There's one lady on the back row now that just came in today for this time and at the time I had an accident, somewhere along the way, she had an auto accident, her first time to come to church today, and she's one of our quilters. But God is good. We're trusting his love. And, uh, hey, I think a spouse suffers harder than the patient does. So I have to bless him for keeping me on the straight and narrow and getting me the help that I need and it's it's fabulous I couldn't do it without him there's a song that uh, was recently written by a person by the name of John Bolden and um, the words go something like you know perhaps the policeman arrives at the door and tells you the bad news or or perhaps you're sitting across the desk and some doctor gives you the, the bad news. But the real title of the song is, For This We Have Jesus. No matter what the problem is, for this we have Jesus. And I think Alice and I have uh, again reiterated the words of Paul, that we are persuaded that neither life nor death, nor things present as they are today on an MRI, nor things present nor things to come, nor anything in God's creation can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. And uh, you folks sitting in the pews in front of us have been the feet and the hands of that Christ. That allows us to keep going on. And we're not the only ones here in this church. Others of you are suffering as well. And have your problems, be it a cancer or be it a financial problem or somebody has walked out of the house. But take the promise that none of these things can separate us from the love of God. And that's what we cling to. Before we sing our last song, I was meeting with Alice this week, kind of preparing for this morning. And she shared that every night they sing a song together. And Alice, you shared with me that some nights you just don't want to sing. But Bob sings for the both of you. Right. right. 
And this morning, I think we have a chance to come together as a church body to sing to God. And Tom is going to, and the worship team is going to lead us. Sing not only for Bob and Alice, but we sing to God. Letting him know that we recognize that we need him every day of our lives. sometimes shows up in the quiet stillness. But may you go this week knowing that God shows up. Amen. Amen.